This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. I got one word for him and one word only. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Big day today. Adam Gold just popped in after doing his show noon to three. And I noticed that Adam has a platinum Mm. wedding ring on. Today, Robert, I'm being sized for my wedding ring and trying to figure out what color we want here. I thought gold was the most obvious. Yeah, like the color. Oh, like like that. We call that a metal. You can get white metal too. Yeah. I, 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 I look for colors. I think okay. there's an old thing that Dave Chappelle used to talk Get about. Get a blue one. Right? You don't really say what color. Brings out your eyes. You don't say what flavor of Kool-Aid you want. Color. You just say the color. I do that with Gatorade. That That's me yeah. when it comes to rings. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what type of metal I want. I just know <laughs> what color I want. I want it to be gold. Okay, so I'm getting fine. that size today. That, then uh, then get a gold one. Don't get a bronze one. Well, I mean, I think it could be a lot cheaper, too, if you would just say, I want a gold ring, and they can sell you whatever the hell kind of metal is the cheapest. And then you get the color you want, and you get a, a little budget on it. Win-win. Perfect. Perfect. Well, listen to the Adam Gold Show, Newton to 3, right here on WSGS Sports. Okay. There's a lot to pick fun at from yesterday's press conference. We looked into each other's so eyes. So much, yes. Can we just do that? <laughs> Gazing into each other's eyes. We've shaken hands, so nobody's going to poach anybody if the SEC calls tomorrow. But let's take a moment, because we can do this on radio, and wonder what it would look like if what they're saying is true and they accomplish the goals they set out to accomplish. Well, what are the goals? Whatever they might be. They, they're... they're the goals were stability in college sports. As vague as that is. I think if executed, right. what they're trying to execute is trying to push off the college football playoff expansion, at least figure out what the entire landscape's going to look like before they set a format. And I think specific to the interest of the ACC, make sure whatever that format is, is not 12 teams. If it's a smaller number that prioritizes conference champions, that would put pressure on Notre Dame. And what else puts pressure on Notre Dame? The fact that you might have an alliance with other conferences that feature schools that Notre Dame likes to play every year, Michigan State, Stanford, and USC. If you mess potentially with their non their ability to schedule some of those teams, and if you mess with their of uh, their ability to make the playoff, that's what puts pressure on Notre Dame. And I think from the ACC's viewpoint, if you're asking the question, why would the ACC do this and potentially pit itself against its biggest business partner, ESPN? Maybe. Yeah, see that that to me is the fascinating part. Right. The reason you do it, I think, is to get Notre Dame to put pressure on Notre Dame for the long term interest of the league. Two, no. Two things that you said there are to me are the most fascinating. One is that. Yes, I do think it's about delaying the start of the college football playoff to open it up to another bidder or two bidders, Fox, NBC, maybe even CBS. Streaming CBS services, now, who knows? Uh, streaming services, nah, they operate on way bigger margins than the than college football. Um, but to, but 
But CBS is out of college football. Maybe they'd like to get back into college football. Uh, or NBC, which has Notre Dame. Fox, which is clearly trying to make its way in college football, would love to have a bigger part of it. Um, and you're always better off as an entity with more bidders. That's why the NHL has got two major partners now as opposed to one. The NFL is on every, basically every broadcast channel now. I mean, they are. They'll, they'll have games on ABC. Then they're all the other three major networks. Uh, also Prime, but that's the NFL. That's not college football. Um so, so that 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 is interesting to me because the ACC, just like the SEC, is completely in bed with ESPN. So is the ACC, um, and so so that that was curious for me. That's to me that's what the ACC gives the Big Ten in this deal here is that we will align with you to kind of maybe pump the brakes on this uh, because it benefits you guys and your partner the Big Ten Network, which is partly owned by Fox, uh, and the, your other media partner, to uh, to maybe get part of this pie. So that's that's the other thing. The other part of it is, and to me, the only end game for a, the ACC, the only end game is Notre Dame joining the league full-time. Mm-hmm. So every move you make has to be with Notre Dame's inclusion in the ACC as the result, I would argue not expanding the playoff at all is the move. But it does look like the playoff is going to expand. So, eight, if the number is eight, with the four major, conf- the four highest rated conference champions, the Big 12 is going away. Yes. If it wasn't going away, they'd be the fourth superhero. And do you believe the Pac-12 is going to add a couple more Big 12 schools? No, I don't think the Pac-12 is going to expand at all. Eh. You you have that quote from the commissioner. It's interesting. I don't. They were asked think, about I really the Big don't. 12. I, I just found it interesting that the big the question was asked yesterday, and you've got the awkward quote from Kevin Warren: "Wish the best for Bob and all of them." Oh, he'll figure it Jim out. Jim Phillips. Yeah, he'll figure it out. George Klyukov didn't answer the question, and then afterwards. Heather Denich and Nicole Auerbach noticed that and got him on the record to say, we'll let you know by the end of the week if yeah. we're going to be expanding anybody. There's nobody to add that would that would add to their bottom line. I think if you were able to get into the Texas market and add Baylor, there's your academics, there's your market, there's a national champ, there's a Heisman Trophy winner in the last 10 years. And Oklahoma State would but, add from the football perspective, a, too. There, there are three schools to add from the state of Texas. And that's it. Just three. And two of them are in the SEC, and the other is probably Houston. Yeah, TCU, Baylor, nah, that doesn't. That they're not. They don't move the needle. Just to show up in Texas doesn't move the needle. Houston is a bigger is a I think a little bit of a bigger deal, but I think that's the move for the Big Twelve to try to stay alive is to add a Houston, a Central Florida, a Cincinnati. Uh, but ultimately, is that on the level of the other conferences? No, not no, not not in terms of eyeballs. It'd be like the American when the American yeah. used to, the big the big the East, souped up American. Yeah, the, is what that is. The Big East used to have an automatic bid into the BCS, and then the BCS went away, of course. And you know the the Big East became the American Athletic Conference. Yeah. It'd be a little bit like that, where the Big Twelve. Yeah, you might exist if Without they keep the same the name. Miami. You're not going to have an automatic bid to the college football playoff, no, whatever that's going to be. Well, they could just do the top four rated conference champions. Yes. Like we were sort of going to have with the with 12. Here's the thing I don't think it's getting talked about enough, though. The shift, 
the shift in college football that I think is going to be great, that I think is positive for the next 10 years, the consumer is going to win. No more are we going to see these fluff games out of conference for anybody mm -hmm. because the point used to be you get the extra practices, you get to go to the bowl game, and the bowls used to matter a ton more. They do not anymore. And now they there's more money. Though. There's more money <laughs> in making TV, making some games matter so, more week to week. And this is another piece. The ACC needs to find a way to get back to the negotiating table with the ESPN. They have that terrific well, deal for the conference. There's only the, one way to do that. To add Notre Dame. That's it. It's or, the only way to do it. But maybe, maybe if some of the rights to whatever this alliance non-conference looks like is sellable. That might be a piece of it as well to give Jim Phillips right, and, and the ACC an opportunity you, to talk to them. You wouldn't folks. need this alliance to do it. That's the, that's that that's my point. Is that this alliance to me is about one thing and one thing only. It's about vo a voting block. It's about getting forty schools together to vote as one. Everybody, this is our vote, but it's times forty, and the SEC today is sixteen. You know, when they add Texas and Oklahoma. 40, I have to do the math, bigger than 16. <laughs> yeah, let so me check your math that, on that. That's what it's about. So at some point when they vote and everybody votes, 40 bigger than 16. Substantially so. The SEC, even if they went to 20, it ain't bigger than 40. So that's that's my point, uh, is that this is about, this is about sort of consolidating power uh, more than it is about playing football. But the scheduling element could be real. Uh, for instance, Mac Brown, we talked to him yesterday, he was talking about, like, we've added Purdue and, and Minnesota. Hey, those are two members of the Big Ten. I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. But if those two schedule ads were Wisconsin and Penn State, ah, now you've got eyeballs. Those are two programs that bring eyeballs, Wisconsin and Penn State. No offense to Minnesota and Purdue. Nobody's tuning in for They don't move the needle. So uh, if NC State's non-conference schedule featured UCLA as opposed to Mississippi State. Do you know a way that could guarantee some of those great matchups? If you created some way, somehow, an ACC Big Ten challenge no reason why they can't. for football, and you can sell it that way. A, you don't think a TV network would want to bid on that? That's something that you would have to negotiate you, you, to have a part under your umbrella. No, because it's non-conference. It's just a non-conference game. So the ESPN holds the rights to all ACC home games. Yeah, um, and either the Big Ten Network, Fox, or ESPN holds the rights to all Big Ten home games. Yeah. So that, that's already spoken for. So you can't create another package there. But what you can do is but these scheduling agreements are great and maybe it raises the value of e, the of the ACC to ESPN by simply having more of these games and I am for that. Clemson Ohio State versus Clemson and Georgia. Hey, that would be great for Clemson, It'd be great for Ohio State to do something like that. Southern Cal playing North Carolina would be would be tremendous. Southern Cal and Miami. These would be great TV games, but ultimately it's probably not changing ESPN's desire to pay ESPN uh, the ACC more money. The only thing that changes that, the only thing, how do you convince Notre Dame to be a full-time member? And, and that's it. And that's what the alliance means to the ACC, and it's why it's worth putting up all, with all the uncomfortable side, of, uh, side effects 
such as the ESPN element of mm-hmm. this. And in addition to that, <laughs> you you got to potentially deal with, if you're looking at out-of-conference agreements and such, the working in the rivalries with the SEC schools that the yeah. Pac-12 and Big Ten schools do not have to give a rip about. Uh, that Those don't have to go away. No, they don't. They don't have to go away. But, That's fine. Those are good games. You got you got to massage everybody and make sure everybody feels mm-hmm. okay about it and Clemson feels okay about it, who has more power than anybody else. There, there's a lot to, that you have to maneuver. Through. Let me give you a quick homework assignment before Please. you before uh, you kick me out of here. Um, I think it's an assumption that in a 12-team format, and I don't think we're going to go to 12. I think it's going to be less. I think it's going to ultimately be eight because that's the ACC's move is to keep it low. And I think getting the Big Ten to sign on to that and the Pac-12 to sign on to that helps the ACC to keep that at a lower number. Um I think the SEC believed that in a 12-team event, they would get four of the six at-large bids. I do. I believe that I they that thought too. that. And the assumption that Notre Dame has guaranteed themselves a home game in a 12-team format. Not being able to be in the top four, but being fifth. Like every year. Why are we assuming that? Think about what Notre Dame's non- non-conference. Think about what Notre Dame's schedule has become of late. Half of it in the ACC with one ACC member that, until this year, hopefully, with North Carolina getting good, uh, who should have any chance to beat them. Seriously, the ACC hasn't been good enough. So it's been a soft ACC schedule. Michigan down, Southern Cal down, Stanford falling off. Who have they played? Their, Their schedule has been very, very manageable for them Theoretically, it's been that, that way for a long right. time now. And, but they've just now started winning 10, 11, 12 games. So why are we assuming that the schedule is going to remain Charmony? That's my point. At some point, Southern Cal wakes up. At some point, other schools besides Clemson and the ACC become good enough to beat Notre Dame on a regular basis. All of these things are possible, likely even. So... I don't know that Notre Dame is gifted a home playoff game every year. I think that is a joke that we're that people are assuming that. Adam, I have thoughts. You have a lot of thoughts today. Yes, it's I'm good to have you in here as always. Uh, that, listen to the Adam Gold Show, noon to three, right here on WSJS Sports. Follow him on Twitter at a Gold Fan. Somebody we thought was a starter for the Panthers going into camp is no longer a starter, and it's not going to change either. I'll tell you who that is next on the drive. A man is a lunatic. Smells like a gym bag. The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. News and Observer investigative reporter Andrew Carter going to join us in about five minutes. A tremendous profile on Sam Howe that I recommend you read at newsobserver.com. We'll get some details on that shortly. Now that we're seeing some of these rookie quarterbacks named starters in games, Trevor Lawrence today named the Jaguar starter for Week 1. Justin Fields is going to start the final preseason game, but Andy Dalton will start in the opener against the L.A. Rams, but seems like he's going to be starting sometime soon. I I wanted to compile a list here. Ranking the five quarterbacks in order in terms of their readiness to play in the NFL. 
their readiness currently to play in the NFL. We'll rank them one through five. Let's get it started with number five. Number five. Trey Lance. He's the quarterback that needs the most snaps. He's been the most uneven. If this was a list of sheer talent, what we've seen based on the preseason games, he would be up higher on this list. There's no question. But in terms of readiness to play, he's fifth out of the five quarterbacks. Number four. This one might surprise you. Justin Fields, I have at number four. Here's why. Much of what we've seen from Fields has been against twos and threes, and a lot of the stuff he's gotten away with running the ball, I don't think you'd be getting away with against starters. And if teams were game planning against you, it would be a lot more difficult to pull that stuff off as well if you're Fields. He's going to play. There's no doubt about it. He has a higher ceiling than a few of these quarterbacks on the list. But as excited as Bears fans are, which I think is more of a product of Andy Dalton than it is Fields, how great he is, I don't think he's very high up on the list of rookies being ready to go, being ready to go right now. Number three. Zach Wilson. Loved what he did last week. Cole, you're a Packer fan. Were you impressed by watching Zach Wilson against the Pack? Yeah, he made a lot of good throws, and um, I mean, I hate to be this Packers guy, but Aaron Rodgers spoke highly of him. But when I watched him, he played great. He looks comfortable, looks poised, and everything you'd want to expect for a guy starting week one. I'm on the Zach Wilson train. I've been on that train since the Coastal Carolina game last year. Before it was popular to say he was the second most talented quarterback in last year's class, I still feel that way. It's a bad roster. It's a thin roster. But Zach Wilson... He's more ready than a couple of these guys. Number two, Mac Jones. You see the numbers he put up against the Giants today? I saw he had 14 consecutive completions, 21 of 23 at the point of practice that somebody tweeted that out. He's working with the ones, and the numbers have been good, and we hear a lot about the film study. The SEC, like it or not, is the closest thing to a minor league in football that we've had. And in the SEC, he put up stupid numbers. And the misconception that's always been there with Mac is that he's this check-down quarterback. Likes to just check it down underneath. No, this guy guns it down the field. He has good arm strength. He can make a lot of the throws. He's also older than uh, some of these quarterbacks. Uh, he's more prepared to play right now. I think it helps with the coaches around you, too. Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, an older team. But he is more prepared to play than guys who were taken higher than him. Number one. It's got to be Lawrence. Don't overthink this. He makes throws that are lights out. A lot of the media and fans chose to be negative about the game earlier this week. And yes, the offense looked archaic. But it's the preseason. It's early on for Trevor Lawrence. Every time I've seen him play in the preseason, he's made throws that are pretty easy to identify and say, yep, uh, I don't think anybody else in this draft class can make that throw physically. So that's my list, the five quarterbacks in terms of their readiness to play right now. 
transitioning to a quarterback who might be on a similar list a year from now. The story at newsobserver.com is he's the face of UNC and a Heisman favorite still in emptiness eats at Sam Howe. The author of that story, it's Andrew Carter. A really good feature story by one of our best investigative writers and long-form writers we have here in the state. Andrew, appreciate the time in the triad. Let me start here. For me... What I learned about Sam, even as somebody who's been around him and covering him with Zoom calls last year and in person the year before that, there's a confidence to him that's obvious, that's been there since the first game against South Carolina. But until reading your story, it didn't dawn on me how transactional Sam views football in terms of when he was younger, he just kind of understood, yeah, if I, if I sacrifice eating hamburgers or steaks or you know, hanging out with my friends or doing thing X or thing Y, it's going to lead to me being successful. So when he's here, he's not surprised that he's here. I was surprised to hear him kind of spell that out very clearly for you. What did you learn about Sam that you didn't know going in? Yeah, I mean, I think I learned that. Uh, you know, everything that you just described, Josh. Um, and I also think I learned... You know, I mean, it's kind of cliche. A lot of athletes are this way, but you know, just just how ultra competitive and, and driven the guy is. I mean, when I was sitting there listening to him during the interview, um, you know, it struck me immediately when I asked him for his first football memory. He goes all the way back to first grade uh, to a game that he lost, <laughs> like a flag football game, and you could tell like it still bothered him that he lost his football game when he was like six or seven years old. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, what separates elite athletes, I mean, there's a lot of, well, not a lot maybe, but there are, I think, a greater number uh, of athletes who have that God-given physical talent. You know, they have all the tools in terms of their body, the strength and quickness and all those things that can be measured. And I think what separates that group from you know, maybe the next group up, you know, that, that really takes it to a different level is just that, that inner drive that really can't be quantified. And I think Sam has that, you know, that it quality. Uh, you know, I go back to, you know, that Michael Jordan documentary where he's talking about, and I took that personally. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, I think Sam has a little bit of that demeanor. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, that's what I learned when talking to him and when talking to people around him because he can be a difficult guy to read if you know you're just watching him play or even in like those zoom settings or whatever he's sort of you know he's very measured uh, on the field of course he doesn't really show a whole lot of emotion um you know so i would say that was the main thing i learned was just sort of you know those inner qualities that really have led to his success there are a lot of things in the story so I strongly suggest you find it, newsobserver.com. I don't want to give away too much. If you want to read about his faith, he opened up talking about that in a way that I haven't heard him open up before for Andrew. Andrew Carter with us here uh, on WSJS Sports. But I do want to ask for more details because I hadn't heard this story before. The first time Dabo Sweeney met Sam Howe, what details can you share with me on that? Eighth grade. I mean, Sam was in eighth grade, uh, a middle schooler. Uh, he already, you know, knew the high school coach there that he would eventually play for, a guy named Tad Bauckham. And Tad knew 
Sam's dad, Duke. You know, the, the football community there in Union, Union County is pretty tight-knit. Uh, you know, Sam had kind of come up through the ranks. A lot of people had heard about him. Uh, another thing, too, to note, you know, the, the youth league there never let him play with kids his own age. <laughs> you know, he was always playing with kids older uh, than Sam was at the time. But anyway, you know, Sam's in eighth grade. There's this FCA banquet. Dabo's going to be there speaking. He's the main speaker. This Tad Bach and the high school coach uh, at Sun Valley High, where Sam played, is going to be the high school speaker. Uh, and Tad told Duke, Sam's dad, like, hey, you know, I really want to introduce Sam to Dabo. You know, I think that'd be a cool thing to do. Sam at the time had a beard. Uh, he, he's in eighth grade. He has a uh, a beard or at least stubble. He could have grown a longer beard if he had wanted. Already looks like a man, basically at 13 years old. Uh, and Tad makes the introduction to Dabo like, hey, I think this is a kid maybe you guys might want to keep your eye on here a bit. So they make the introduction. Uh, about a week later, Tad is back uh, in his offices at high school and a Clemson assistant coach, I think it was Danny Pearman, uh, showed up uh, at the school and said, hey, you know, Dabo told me that this kid we should know about, and I'm just kind of checking in, and I'd love to love to say, hey, if he's around. And, and Tad is like, yeah, you can do that, but you have to go across the street to the middle school. <laughs> you know, he's over there. Uh, you know, so that was kind of the first introduction between Sam uh, and Dabo, and obviously Clemson had some interest there early on. But then another aspect, too, is the fact that you know, a lot of schools were slower to offer him just because it took a while for him to uh, grow height-wise. Uh, you know, I already had the physical tools, the strength, all that stuff, uh, and obviously was a was a very impressive-looking kid at that age, too. It includes North Carolina that, uh, that overlooked him as well. Well, I wish we had more time. We don't. But, Andrew, I appreciate you uh, doing what you do. There's not a lot of people in the state that do it or do it as well as you do. Newsobserver.com, the story He's the face of UNC and a Heisman favorite. Still in emptiness, eats at Sam Howe. Uh, probably the best feature I've seen on Sam Howe. So congrats on that, and thanks so much for spending some time in the triad today to talk about it. Yeah, thanks, Josh, and I appreciate your appreciation. Uh, so thanks so much for allowing me the opportunity to come on and, and talk about this and many other stories. So I appreciate he, you, man. No doubt. He's on Twitter. Shoot him a follow if you haven't already. On Twitter at and underscore Andrew Carter. Uh, you can find Andrew's work. It's a really good feature, but Robert, see, you're a pretty beardy guy. You've got facial hair, and your hair grows really long. When did you start growing facial hair, or having stubble? Uh, probably like 10th grade, I guess, 10th grade, 11th grade. Sam Howe with the beard in 8th grade is a funny thought. And Dabo sending an assistant coach, hey, there's this high school kid you need to check out in Charlotte or in Monroe. Then they get there, and you... <laughs> Imagine being that assistant, not knowing who Sam Howe is or what he's going to turn out to be. I'm going to walk across the street to a middle school like a jerk and just talk to a kid that I'm probably not going to coach because he's not going to be around until five years. Five years. He, he, he could be playing college football. But here we are today. Really, really strong stuff there from Andrew Carter. What? what? This is wrong. You shut up! You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Losing track of the days, Robert. I said today was 824 day. 
It's actually 8.25. Appreciate the correction. But I, I'm still going to have Kobe Bryant as questions, as one of the celebrities we'll pick for Culture Shock for our intern Cole, who's 20 and doesn't know who much about any of these big names, or at least he'll try to pretend like he does. So we'll ask Cole about a myriad of these different celebrities since it would have been Kobe Bryant's 43rd birthday earlier this week and since yesterday was 824 day evidently that's where I'm going to get this thing started Cole how you feeling about Kobe Bryant I'm feeling good I like the confidence okay Kobe Bryant three facts here Two of them are factual. (laughs) You need to pick out what the lie is. Kobe was originally drafted by the Charlotte Hornets in 1996. After Kobe Bryant won his fourth championship with the Lakers, the one without Shaq, one of the two without Shaq, Kobe did a freestyle rap asking Shaq, quote, how his ass tastes. And lastly, Kobe Bryant has said if he played college basketball rather than going straight out of high school, he would have played at either Duke or Carolina here in the state of North Carolina. Which of those is false? Uh, I know for a fact that he was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets and then traded um, to the LA Lakers. Uh, I know he has a he did have a pretty decent beef with Shaquille O'Neal uh, while they were playing together in L.A. And I, I didn't hear anything about the Duke and UNC thing. And you said that was recent, right? Well, not too recent. Or, yeah, he well, died was, last yeah, year. Not too recent, but... Another fact thrown in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first one's true. So it's a toss-up with uh, the Shaquille O'Neal rap and then him going or saying he'd either go to Duke or to Carolina he went to college I'm going to say that he did uh, do the rap against Shaq so the lie was saying he would have gone to UNC Ah, Cole Shaq had the infamous rap after he won the title with the Miami Heat in 2006, where he asked Kobe how his ass tastes. Kobe Bryant, see, the reason I say Duke and Carolina, in 2013, he did an interview with Jimmy Kimmel where he said, a lot of people believe I would have gone to Duke if I chose to play college basketball. I have a relationship with Coach K. You saw that with Team USA. The truth of the matter is, Duke was actually kind of down in the mid-1990s. When Kobe was coming out, you were coming off the Pete Gaudet season for Duke. Kobe says he was attracted to North Carolina, wanting to play for Dean Smith, while Vince Carter and Antoine Jameson were there. So after saying that, and putting that out publicly with Jimmy Kimmel. Four years later, someone asked him randomly on Twitter, hey, where would you have gone to college if you went to college? And he said, Duke. So he's 
spoken both sides of his mouth. We'll never know for sure, but he said Duke and North Carolina. That's a long way to say that you got the question wrong. Robert Walsh, what do you have for Cole? Uh, Cole, I'll let you pick. Where you want to start, NWO or Eddie Murphy? Uh, let's go Eddie Murphy first. Cool. That's I think that's the better one. <laughs> uh, tell me which one of these is the lie. His hit song, Hang Out All the Time, reached number two on Billboard. Uh, he almost starred in a Batman and Robin movie with Bill Murray, and his Raw special grossed $50 million, which still today is number one uh, for stand-up film of all time at the box office. Thriller which one jacket. of those is a lie? Ooh. Robert's hitting with the good ones today. The Thriller Jacket, man. I've been in class all day, so... Don't the jumpsuit. Brain's a little... Uh, okay, so there's a Batman movie with Bill Murray. This movie did not happen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Gosh, and, what a great hypothetical. Well, maybe we could get to that in a second. And then was the the first one? The first one was he had a hit song, Hang Out All the Time, which actually happened because him and Richard Pryor uh, were arguing back and forth, and Richard Pryor told him, like, you can't come up with a hit song. They bet $100,000 on it. So Eddie, Eddie won that bet. Let's see if you can win this one. And then the third one? The third one was that his Raw special grossed $50 million, which is number one for stand-up films of all time. His brain really is fried today. <laughs> I mean, it's tough, though. Like These are a lot of names and a lot of stuff to keep up with. Like yeah. If it was like a multiple-choice to- test and you could see these in front of you, yeah. it would be one thing. Maybe we should start printing you off your own sheet so you can like look at these and actually read it and not have to remember all of it. I'd be willing to do that, actually. Perhaps we could start doing that starting next week. Um, I'm going to go with his... Uh, like the first one. The, the hit album? Song. His song, yeah. You're correct. The, yes! Yeah. The song is not called Hang Out All The Time. It's called Party All The Party Time. Party All The Time. Good guess. Yeah, no, that, good you, guess. you did good. You did good. You're one and one this week. Girl, uh, I don't understand it. It's a great song. Uh, that hypothetical about Batman's fantastic. It's a great pull on your part. The only greater uh, hypothetical featuring comedians, movie comics, is that Bad Boys was originally written for... Dana Carvey and John Lovitz rather than Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. There's a lot of Eddie Murphy ones when I was looking this up. He uh, he was offered the part for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He wow. Was offered, uh, he, he, he said that's the biggest uh, turn down regret in his. And Rush Hour. Rush Hour initially wanted Eddie Murphy, but they went with Chris Tucker. Mm. Uh, moving on to the NWO, though. Uh, I know you are a slightly a wrestling fan, so I had to peel it back a little bit farther for you. I was thinking about John Cena, but I was like, you know what? That's too much in Cole's wheelhouse. So I've got <laughs> you know, you know who NWO is, right? Yeah. What's NWO yeah, stand for? Josh. Uh, Either one of you. Yeah. Let's see if Josh, Josh knows. It's New World Order, right? There you okay. go. There you go. I didn't think he knew that. To be completely honest, I probably but, won't know the answer to this question. I, I don't. I, I probably think you won't will. be able to know which one's a lie. Uh, tell me which one of these is a lie, Cole. Uh, the NWO had honorary members such as Dennis Rodman and Kyle Petty. Uh, the original three members were Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and Sting. Uh, and they had over 50 members in the NWO. 
Ooh. Now, see, I know that they... Sting was one of their, like, biggest... Like, Sting enemy. was huge in WCW. Yes, he was. Yeah, that was one of their, like, biggest, like, rivals they always went up against. But it could be he was a member and broke off of the group there. Over 50 members. I mean, there wasn't... It didn't go along around too long it, it it actually went around for a long time nwo was like they're almost at the the pinnacle of wcw and it lasted all the way through until wwe purchased them in which uh they made Shawn michaels the leader which is so funny because he was leading the the opposite faction on their competitor so what you think here over 50 members honorary members were dennis rodman and kyle petty and the original three members were hulk hogan kevin nash and Sting. I'm going to say Sting wasn't an original member because I think he was a rival. And That's yeah, what I, I was thinking, was, too. Look at you, Cole. Uh, Scott Hall, the bad guy. Ayo was an original member. Yeah, Sting was right. not. I tried to trip you up on the black and white, and it didn't work. You went 2-1 and one this week. That's awesome. Congratulations, Cole. What that, What does that bring your career record to? Uh, double digits. Got the 10 wins. Yeah. How many losses? Uh, we don't talk about the losses, Josh. We only <laughs> no, well, we have to know. We, we have to know what the record is. Uh, ten and fourteen. Ten oh, and fourteen. That's that's not, not, not around here lately. God, it's the not terrible. He was a kicker if you had that kind of completion record. <laughs> Great stuff. That's culture shock for this week. I am interested in the ACC. You got this alliance that was created yesterday. ACC, Pac-12, Big Ten. And while they agreed that they weren't going to poach each other, that doesn't mean that the poaching is finished necessarily. In fact, I don't think it is. And I'll tell you why next on The Drive. Dude, you are so money, but you don't even know it. But you do. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Starting a few days ago, on this very radio station, you could hear the voices of Mark Packer and our next guest, Wes Durham. On Packer and Durham, 7 to 10 in the morning, and we've enjoyed that. Or I guess it's been a week and a half now. Time flies when you're looking at the summer of college sports headlines galore from Coach K and Roy Williams, their decisions, and the Austin case, and NIL, and Texas and Oklahoma, and now this alliance. Just a lot to sift through, and then you throw football starting this weekend on top of that. It really is a lot. So, West Durham, since it's a lot, I'll try to be pointed in questions that I ask here, but you were right. <laughs> you were right when you talked about how the league valued the academic side of things. They weren't going to partner with people they didn't feel were like-minded conferences they didn't feel were like-minded from an academic perspective so after hearing jim phillips and the other conference commissioners yesterday and catching up with them today how much more clarity did you get about what the acc's priorities are moving forward i think that the number one thing um josh is that there is clearly defined camaraderie between Kevin Warren, George Klyovkov, and 
and Jim Phillips. Okay, I think that's number one. I think that you know people are all caught up in the you know there's no contract or no signed agreement or whatever, and you know media people like to take things and run with it occasionally. Um, not that you or I ever would, but media people did, right? Um, I, I look at it like this. I think that what we have is we have 41 institutions of which I think 27 or so are members of the Association of American Universities. And as Mark and I have said the last couple of days, that's not a particularly sexy part of this whole ideology that we're talking about. But trust me, it means something. It counts on those campuses. And it has accelerated the association or the alliance in a way that otherwise I don't think would have happened. Um, you know, look, there was a time a decade ago when this was a turbulent time in college athletics, but the expansion piece was the only turbulence college athletics has. Now we've got like five or six things going on. Um, I guess the piece... Civil, I don't think it's a civil war either, Josh. I don't think this is these three leagues against the SEC. I, I, it's really important people understand that because I think some of our colleagues in the media are trying to make it that. They're trying to say, well, the SEC is this one behemoth over here that got Oklahoma and Texas, and if you come to Birmingham, you have to take a knee and do all this other stuff. I, I just don't buy that. I think everybody needs everybody in this. Because here's why. There is no leadership in Indianapolis. Everybody has questioned the National Collegiate Athletic Association, and, and rightly so for a long time. But in my opinion, we are now void of leadership at the NCAA level. And they are losing power day by day. They are essentially a ship that cannot be fixed. And that's why they're having this Constitutional Congress that I'm calling it to try and fix a rule book that is 35 years antiquated, in my opinion. You, it might be true what you're saying, hey, this is not all of college football versus the SEC, but you would agree mm -hmm. that without Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC, this doesn't happen, right? Probably not, but it's still, if you take the Oklahoma-Texas thing and, and go back to it, Josh, you still got problems. Yeah. You still got an organization that does not have any governance on name, image, and likeness. You still have an organization that lost nine nothing in Washington in the worst road game beating ever at the hands of the Supreme Court. <laughs> um, you don't have any leadership. The reason this happened, this particular thing happened, is because somebody stepped back and go, wait a second now. We just don't want to go pell-mell into a 12-team playoff, do we? We don't want to go pell-mell into a 12-team playoff where one league's got a chance to get seven in, do we? I, hmm. That has part of it. I mean, that, that clearly – here's the other thing, too. Why can't college football be like the NFL? Why can't they have a multi-network playoff situation? The Super Bowl rotates. The NFL and AFC – the NFC and AFC championship games rotate. That must be a I mean, touchy issue, though. You're, you're, you are employed by ESPN. I'm wondering how touchy of an issue that is and also the value of the ACC being a part of this when they are the ones with a lot at stake with ESPN and with Notre Dame who, depending on what happens with – non-conference schedules and the view on the playoff if it is a voting block 
The ACC is the one that might be put in the most uncomfortable position out of the three conferences. Could, they could be. They could very well be. You might be right. I mean, I think we've still got plenty of road to work. We're just getting started on this. There's a there's an entire governance piece about college athletics that needs to be addressed. Name, image, and likeness, the college football playoff. I mean, there's all sorts of things. The timing on this. It just goes right along with the summer we never got this year. You know, you and I joked about that in Charlotte. We never got a summer. <laughs> no. We had, you know, we had COVID. We now had we had the gender equity report. We had NC State with COVID at the College World Series. Then we had oh. likeness. Then we had Roy and K. The NCAA. We had the NCAA lose nine nothing at the Supreme Court. We then had uh, the twelve team expansion. We then had Oklahoma Texas. Uh, now we have um, all sorts of. I mean, come on now. We're we're just it's battle after battle after battle, and at some point the war is going to have to continue. But it's it's the landscape, it's the volatility of the sport, and it's. Uh, I just think we're we're making the moves that are necessary here. Look, it's not what went on yesterday was not sexy. It wasn't. Hey, by the way, in twenty four. Wake Forest is going to play, you know, UCLA, NC State's going to play Michigan, and Carolina's going to go to Washington. No, no, it wasn't that. It was, hey, look, we're getting together, and it was forced. Don't get me wrong. Just like the whole Oklahoma-Texas thing got leaked, this was forced because Max Olson and Nicole Auerbach have done a beautiful job reporting it. And then David Hale and Andrea Adelson, got, you know, some confirmation on structure. But Nicole's tweet on Friday said it's a lot more than scheduling, right? Yes. And it, that's what you got yesterday. You got all the stuff it is but scheduling. And the good thing is is that the 11-person committee charged with handling scheduling and kind of the operations of this alliance is well fortified with, in my opinion, great ADs and representatives from the ACC, but yet also Rob Mullins and Gary Barta and Gene Smith and Dan Radakovich, who are all members of the College Football Playoff Committee. So it gets better. I mean, but this is the long game. You and I have talked about, you know, how schools have to have patience and get in the long game because they don't, don't flip a switch and go from winning two to winning ten. This is going to be the long game. It may be 25 before we get one of these games. We're going to get them, though. They're going to happen. I mean, I don't think that Kevin Warren and George Klyovkov and Jim Phillips stand up there yesterday and risk their professional credibility by saying something they're not committed to doing. I just don't think that happens either. Wes Durham's with us here. Listen to Packer and Durham on WSGS Sports from 7 to 10 a.m. each morning. way too morning. much me on your station, by the way, today. Way yeah, too much of me. It's, it's a Three lot. Three hours in the morning now this. It's it, it's a a, it is a lot of you. Like People were just going to get yeah. some Dewey's and some Krispy Kreme in the morning. And now, like, they know they're, how to play that double double. That's smart. They know yeah. how to do that. <laughs> and, and now they're driving in Alamance County to the Chop House and they're having to hear Wes again. It's not, yeah, you know. Yeah, Go that's away, right. Dude. Yeah, that's what we're saying. What or do you think it's done though? Because yes, they all walked up on stage and or at their computers and they had this press conference here. <laughs> you, they said they're not going to poach each other and that they're aligned, but that doesn't preclude anybody from adding other schools if they so choose. And then you have Nicole Auerbach reporting that she, I mean, she called up with George Klyovkov afterwards, 
And George Klikoff said, I'll let you know by the end of the week if we're if we're going right. to choose to expand the Big 12s there right for the picking and eh, you look at the other conferences ACC Big 12 or ACC Big 10 they have 14 members in football the Pac 12 has 12 do you see that potentially changing Sure I mean anything's possible but Klyakov is not the guy is clearly very bright I mean as I've been told by people out West, his, his media strategies are really good. His operations and marketing strategies are sound. And that's why they're excited to have him as the commissioner. I mean, you know, he's a lawyer. He graduated from Virginia. I mean, he's had a remarkable career professionally to do this. And I think in many ways, what's going to be interesting is to watch how this kind of formulates together. They have media rights deals coming up in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. The ACC is bound to 36. We all know that story. The get-out card, as Joe Giglio first reported on this, the get-out card for any ACC member is just south of $400 million right now. Okay, so nobody's leaving to go anywhere because it's a $400 million check. Now, 10 years from now, look, 10 years ago, we 10 years ago we were just doing kind of the wrinkles of expansion and Pitt and Notre Dame were coming in the league and Louisville and things like that. So, you know, let's let's kind of slow down the whole expansion deal just based on Oklahoma and Texas. The Big 12 and the American have to make a decision. Some Big 12 schools have to make decisions. But George Klyakov has enough major markets. There's not a market he can tap into that is going to be a turnkey win for him. The ACC doesn't have a market that is going to produce $45 million more revenue, according to David Teal, um, that would then lend them to an expansion piece. So I, I think you've seen Oklahoma. Oh, Texas was looking to leave a decade ago, Josh. Sure. Oklahoma just became Oklahoma just became a willing travel partner, and I may have told you this. I don't know what Oklahoma's doing. I mean, I love Joe Castiglione. He's a fine athletic administrator. But Oklahoma's path to the college football playoff is clearly easier in the Big 12 than it's going to be in the SEC. Here's my theory on Oklahoma, and I'm interested in what you think on it because I actually do think it makes sense for Oklahoma for this reason and this reason only. You Preparing for Lincoln Riley's offense is a lot different on six days than it is four weeks getting ready for a playoff game. Oklahoma, as many times as they have made the playoffs, they haven't won a playoff game the entire time and as many times as they've made it. So, And I think a big part of the reason is, at Texas, you have a brand you could recruit everywhere. It's harder to convince kids from the states of Georgia and Florida to go play in Norman, Oklahoma, if they're not going to be playing many games out that way. So I think from a recruiting perspective and from a sheer cache perspective... It makes sense for Oklahoma. That's my argument, at least. Okay, so is your argument for Texas they want to be relevant, and since they can't be relevant, they're just going to take the check? Yeah, it's the Steve Spurrier theory. Mm-hmm. I, I subscri- I've to subscribed me, to that. I, I, look, I'm willing to buy a little more of the Oklahoma line, but let me know what happens when they're 8-4. Hmm. A lot of people were saying the same thing about A&M when they first entered the league, and then Johnny Manziel's winning the Heisman. That's at least the argument, right? Like, you know, okay. And, we'll and we'll look, see. And Jimbo's been close, but has Jimbo been there yet? He hasn't nope. been to the playoff. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about. So I, I've watched a little bit of the Atlanta Falcons in preseason ball. 
Wes Durham's with us here in addition to talking all day on our radio station now. He also is uh, the play-by-play voice of the Falcons along with Dave Archer. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I I don't think Matt Ryan's played a snap in preseason, yes? That would be correct. Interesting approach. A lot of younger coaches not playing guys in preseason whatsoever. It's been a new format, of course, with three preseason preseason games rather than four. You guys got the Browns on Sunday. What have you made about the approach Mike Smith's taken to preseason? Well, I think, first of all, they know what Matt Ryan can do. The other thing that I've been told is the combined practices that Atlanta had last week with the Dolphins and the one that the Panthers, I think, had with the Ravens as it relates to your area. Mm -hmm. Those are the practices where you're seeing the starters and full competitiveness and things like that. In in essence, they don't need to run. Matt, now, they're going to play Sunday night. I don't know how much, but those guys are going to play. Ridley, Ryan, Kyle Pitts, uh, the full complement of who they think will be the starter on the offensive line. The defensive guys that haven't played, there have been six of those that haven't played. Um, you know, what's that going to look like? How long? I don't know. But in reality, if you don't think you need to see them in the preseason – Remember, you threw another extra regular season game in there, so that's that makes it interesting too. So, I'm not terribly surprised. And in fact, I think it's become a little bit more of a trend than the league thought it would. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch how the early part of the regular season unfolds for these teams that felt the need to kind of rest these guys. Ryan is okay with it. Um, Calvin Ridley's been okay with it. Kyle Pitts is okay with it. And it's not that they haven't worked; they just haven't done it in those game settings. Did Mike Smith tell you any interesting bunting stories? <laughs> no, not yet. No. Okay. We've, uh, believe it or not, because of my relocate to Charlotte to do the show and the travel aspect of this and the COVID protocols and everything else, I, I, Coach Smith and I have not been around each other but uh, a couple of times. And we've enjoyed chatting a little bit. And, and he told me a funny story about the first time he – realized who my dad was he said he was a young football player at Carolina and he said this guy used to show up about 10 minutes before practice started you know a couple weeks before the season he would be there like three days a week and you know a bunch of us just saw this guy stand there with a card in his hand and sunglasses and looking at the card and I said yeah and he goes little did we know he was over there trying to memorize name and number I said yeah that's exactly he said years later Bunning told him what he was doing so that's uh it was pretty funny to to you know hear about my dad's preparation. I knew what he was doing when he started to tell me about it, but it's funny how it eventually trickled down to players. Wes, always good to hear from you. It's good to hear from you more often now on the station from seven to ten a.m. <laughs> believe it or not. Hey, by the way, Packers promise free parking, so I hope you guys aren't having to shell out any. Uh, dimes and nickels or quarters to park over there because Packer says when you carry the show you get free parking so I hope oh I've never does that mean you guys are going to have breakfast on you if I come visit the uh come visit the basement I get breakfast no there's no breakfast in the basement neither one of us eat during the show oh okay okay oh that's that's the guest (laughs) guest responsibility to bring breakfast I think we'll be on the road next uh, we're going to be on the road next Thursday in Raleigh, so maybe there'll be breakfast there, but there's typically no breakfast in the old studio. Noted. Checking that out. Yeah. All right, Wes. See you, man. We'll, we'll, we'll see you around. Thanks for doing this. You bet, Josh. Take care. See there you go. That's Wes Durham. Packer and Durham, 7 to 10 each morning right here.
on WSJS Sports.